Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Don't touch that dial. You're tuned in to the Dread Podcast Network. Welcome to Development Hell. For every horror movie that hits VOD, countless others end up DOA. Development Hell is the podcast dedicated to unearthing these cursed horror productions. We're going to find out what went wrong, and then decide if these titles still stand a shot at the green light. I am your host, Josh Korngut. I am the managing editor of Dread Central. I am also a filmmaker in Toronto, Canada. This podcast is a proud member of the Dread Podcast Network. Every legend is based on fact. Every myth is grounded in truth. For 17 years, the town of Haddonfield, Illinois, has been haunted by a night when evil roamed the streets and a madman ruled the night. Everyone knows his name. Now, everyone will know the truth. I knew what he was, but I never knew why. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to a brand new episode of Halloween is Cancelled. That's right, we are in our second mini-series of our Development Hell sort of limited run of Halloween is Cancelled. This is where we talk about unmade Michael Myers movies, because what else would you want to hear about in October? So today is the second chapter of our second season, and we are talking about one of the most troubled productions in horror history. We are digging up the grave of unmade Halloween 6 films, but more specifically, we are talking about Halloween 666, The Origin. Now, that is not to be confused with Halloween 666, The Origins of Michael Myers, a.k.a. The Producer's Cut. 
But we're going to get into that in just a moment. This is a wild ride. Halloween 6 is a mess. If I get anything wrong, please forgive me. I'm doing my best. Sad that that rhymed. Today we are back again with returning guest judge, Jules Bruin. Jules, how's it going? Hi, so glad to be back. Wow. Jules, I know that you're not necessarily like so focused on horror in your life, but we are always thrilled to have you and to have your sort of unique perspective on these stories. Do you want to just remind the audience a little bit about who you are? Yeah, I'm a um, counselor therapist based in Toronto, Ontario, which is Canada for (laughs) for our people that aren't from here. Um, I specialize in trauma, substance use and mental health. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I've I've also always been obsessed with Halloween since I was a child. Um, And yeah, so love being here. And that's why I think we're best friends, even though I'm not necessarily a horror person. um, I've always loved the spooky and the scary. So that's Mm -hmm. why I think I love you because you're (gasps) kind of scary to look at. I'm I'm just kidding. Oh, my God. Uh, Yeah. So Jules is a little bit obsessed with Halloween, not just the franchise, but the event. And I think that she's perfect for this little series. Jules also joined us for another mini-series, our Jeepers Creepers Unseen Deep Dive, which I think really lent to her specific talents really well. But so you know what? So does Halloween is cancelled. And today we're we're diving right back in. So some of the references for today's episode are going to be brought to us by Fangoria, a number of different issues, the book Taking Shape 2 by Dustin McNeil and Travis Mullins, Icons of Fright, as well as Wikipedia. There's a lot of information, so hold on tight. Uh, Jules, would it be okay with you if I gave just a little bit of a seminar on the original Halloween 6, The Curse of Michael Myers? Yes, please. Halloween 6, The Curse of Michael Myers, came out in 1995 and was directed by Joe Chappelle, written by Daniel Ferenc. We got to see Donald Pleasance again for the final time. We got to see Mitch Ryan. Uh, Paul Rudd appears for the first time in a film, I believe, in this movie, which is wild. (laughs) What a babe. And you know what? While the script is iffy-wiffy sometimes, he's committed. But Mm -hmm. we'll get into that. We'll get into it, Jules. Calm down. (laughs) Yeah, so this is the sixth movie in the Halloween franchise, ironically, or not, I guess, set six years after the fifth film. And uh, the plot for this one gets a little uh, esoteric, I guess. So uh, it depicts um, the sister, I believe, of Laurie Strode, uh, Kara Strode, I believe her name is, and she is living in Haddonfield, Her family, I believe, are living in the Myers house, even though they are the Strodes. I don't... Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do it. You know what? Do it. It was shot in Salt Lake City back in 1994. And as I mentioned a couple of times, this son of a bitch had a lot of issues in its production development processes. And I'm excited to to dig those up. I believe this is the first of the Halloween films distributed by Miramax and Dimension Films. Unfortunately, that does mean the Weinsteins, who were awful for so many reasons, including how they treated some of our favorite horror franchises this little movie was made for a budget of five million dollars i believe it 
domestically made about 15 million, which is good because the fifth film was a bit of a dud for the box office and this needed to sort of get back the interest. But there was a lot of um, hiccups and right even until the film was getting ready to be released, there was a different title. We had Halloween 666, The Origins of Michael Myers. There was even some trailers floating around that had that title. I think there were promotional artwork floating around with that title. And upon release, it was changed to Halloween, The Curse of Michael Myers. I think there's even some lore that it was recommended to change the name as a joke because of how cursed this production history was. And they actually thought, hey, that's actually a cute title. Let's roll with it. Also, something interesting that I I like about this middle trilogy of the Halloween movies. Number four, you have The Return of Michael Myers. Number five, you've got The Revenge of Michael Myers. And number six, The Curse of Michael Myers. Uh, This is also, coincidentally, the subtitles to the Pink Panther films in that exact order. So, who knew? Wild. SEO before SEO, I guess. Jules, what is your history with Halloween 6? Had you seen it before I showed it to you recently? No, I actually had it. Oh, maybe I had. It was one of these things over... (laughs) Should we go back to that? (laughs) No, no, I love it. Um, I had, but I didn't remember like any of it. Uh I remember you were like Halloween 6 and I was like, I don't think I've seen it. And then we watched it together and as scenes were going, I was like, oh, fuck, I've definitely seen this. Mm -hmm. The the beginning scene, I remember there were just bits and pieces that I remembered the um, ridiculousness things. I think there were were parts that were edged (laughs) in my brain of of ridiculousness. And then there are boring parts that I understandably Mm -hmm. forgot. You know, you talk about there are different classics or franchise installments that you have been forced to watch over the years by me and some yes. that you haven't. Why do you think this is one that maybe you were shown? I think it is so ridiculous that I think, you know, it makes sense that it would be shown. I also think it's scary. It's kind of like there, there are some like gross and creepy and spooky parts that are that 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 kind of make it a fun Halloween movie like in the Halloween not Halloween the franchise movie more like Halloween Uh, time movie yes um it's sort of like a fun watch it's definitely like a fun with a beer or fun with a joint or whatever you partake in Mm -hmm. um it feels like that kind of movie it's kind of a party movie uh so it makes a lot of sense to me that you know as teenagers or early 20s you might have been like hey this will be a fun kind of thing we can kind of you know you don't need to pay attention. Even though there's like a shit ton of exposition, you don't necessarily need to pay attention to the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, you either have to really pay attention or you can just sort of allow it to wash over you. Exactly. And exactly. I think that's the way that it should go. Though, I mean, there were many times when me and you were like, wait, what did we miss? There was like a sentence that obviously was incredibly important. We'd have to rewind because <laughs> yeah. it was like that sentence. There was so much information in that little sentence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because I've seen this movie countless times <laughs> and I'm still a little bit like, he's whose brother? What? How what is, is he related? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's it, the cult. What? Mm-hmm. Uh, I th- actually believe that this was the very first Halloween movie I ever rented as a little child. Um, so cute. Yeah. I th- also maybe, scary. Like that's a well, scary one. It's a scary one. And honestly, we turned it off. So we got to the opening kill 
where Jamie is murdered really horrifically in a barn by Michael Myers. And my dad was like, uh, not to these movies. And so we actually put off the Halloween movie series for a really long time because we thought, me and my dad were like, this is the tone. It was like getting chopped up in a barn tone. And of course, that's as far from the original film as you can get. That kill is so bizarre because it's so not the tone. Like, mm-hmm. it's so shockingly gruesome. Again, I I like it, but it, it was, like, so not the time. I mean, even later kills, it, it's him stabbing and then blood on him instead of actually seeing the stab, right? Like, yeah. it, it doesn't feel Halloween-ish. It feels way more Friday the 13th or, you know, something like that. Like, it, it, it's it's interesting how they are like, we're going to start you off with a bang. Yeah. You know? Like, this, they're trying to tell us, I think, this movie's a little different. Oh, for sure. And even last week when we were digging into Halloween 2... Um, we're starting even then to see the jacification of Michael Myers, and here we have it on full force. Absolutely. Um, it's crazy how this came out m- months before Scream, same company. Wow. Although it feels so much older. Would you agree? I thought it was like when you, I remember you telling me that as we were watching the movie, I was shocked because I really thought Scream was much older i'm sorry much newer sorry much newer i thought this movie was much older just the the tone the film everything about it feels so this feels dated you know it Mm. feels so 90s i mean scream feels so 90s but more like recent 90s more sort of of our generation yeah totally well scream is famously ahead of its time well this Mm. is kind of i think lagging onto an era that was sort of on its way out i say that with love i do i promise Mm -hmm. um it's an interesting movie. I have to say someone maybe online said it right where Halloween 6 is at moments a perfect Michael Myers franchise movie and in other moments truly the worst possible one. And it oscillates between <laughs> between those qualities yes. scene by scene, which I find so fascinating. I couldn't agree more. Just like I said, how I remembered parts really, really well. And I didn't remember parts at all. Even to the point where, like, I think it would be hard for me to remember them now, just watching it a few days ago. Mm-hmm. Like, there were parts that were so good and beautiful, like the originals um, and ones to come. Uh, there there were also just parts that were like, what is it? It felt like they were <laughs> they were doing two different movies almost. Like, what's happening? You know what? Like, it's so funny that you say that because, yes, actually... In a way, this was two different films. Uh, there were two versions of this movie floating around in the 90s. We had the theatrical cut, which was the version that Dimension Films was really pushing for and eventually won and got into theaters. But there's also what is now known as the producer's cut, which is a very different movie. And I actually, I have seen it. So sometimes I do get them a little mixed up in my brain. But the producer's cut is the one that we had floating around publicized as Halloween 666, the origins of Michael Myers. If I am to be correct, and I'm sorry if I'm not, (laughs) I think it had a lot more thorn cult nonsense in it. Mm. I believe there was sort of more of the wacky cult elements um, in that film there are stiff there actually i believe there are a lot of differences between those two cuts but that's not exactly what we're here to talk about today today we're here to talk about the iteration that happened before the producer's cut which was known as halloween 666 
the origin. And we're going to get into the details for that movie a little later because the entire script is available. So we know exactly what was going on in that. And it's nutsy butsy. But I just kind of want to keep talking about how we felt about Halloween 6, The Curse of Michael Myers. Why don't we go all the way back to the beginning? We were touching base on that opening scare. And I want to give us a little context for that in case anyone's sort of not in the loop. This franchise, like every other incredible horror franchise, has what I call a middle trilogy, which for this film was, for this series, was Halloween 4, 5, and 6. And in 4, 5, and 6, our lead heroine is not Laurie Strode, it's actually Jamie Lloyd. And Jamie Lloyd was played by Danielle Harris as a young child who is related to Michael Myers, and Michael Myers is sort of focused on her. Come Halloween 6, which was a good few years after the release of Halloween 5, we only have Jamie, I believe, for this opening scene. Different scripts use her in different amounts, but for what we got in theaters, we have this one opening sequence starring Jamie, played by a different actress this time around, who has a baby, and she's on the run from the Cult of Thorn, who are after her and her baby, and Michael Myers ultimately uh, hunts her down in a pretty intense and lengthy opening sequence um how would you describe this kill jules yeah it's 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 gruesome it's uh it, it kind of reminded me of um i guess because it was in a barn and all that stuff of um uh the leslie vernon story yes behind the mask behind the mask it kind of gave me a behind the mask feel which is i'm sorry about that a, a, a movie i really love it's probably one of my favorite <laughs> favorite horror movies of all time um mm-hmm. but it gave me that vibe again of, of that kind of grotesque farm you know yes. equipment and how visceral and how bloody Ooh, you know yes. it was and it was like it was it's scary even now it's even bad, as an yeah. adult who's seen a million horror movies like it was like oh yeah oh when he turns it on like fuck i know you know it gets worse and worse you know he does this weird toying with her thing where he like she falls onto this piece of farm equipment i'm sorry i don't know what it is but it impales her and she's impaled on it and she knows michael's about to kill her and she says michael you can't have the baby she doesn't he doesn't know where the baby is hidden and you think he's going to sort of like embrace her but instead he just pushes her harder onto the machine and then turns it on and she turns into like a to a smoothie yeah it's sort of like almost sexual almost it's almost like going to caress, which I think normally there isn't that in 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 with Michael. Never, you know, which I which I think was kind of cool because I was like, ooh, whoa. you know, it's it's yes. kind of interesting to see it as if like we're related. I'm going to hug you, but it's like no, I'm actually remember I'm pure evil. Don't forget it, who I am. It, totally, it kind of reminds me actually of the ending of Halloween H two O, where yes. he reaches out for Laurie Strode, and um, and you think she's going to reach back, but instead she decapitates him. That's right, absolutely. It's also silly because I don't see Michael Myers as I don't see him going through the the complex vibes of toying no. with someone like I that. Mean, I, would I be interested in a movie where he like made out with some? I mean, I I'm interested. Do I think it'd be no. good? No, but I read it. I, I'll watch it. it. Oh yeah, it's there. Yeah, it's there. It's gotta be there. <laughs> um. So okay, okay. What about our new heroine this time around, in Kara Strode? What was she like to you? Um, I hate to be a negative Nancy. Mm. Just uh, for the, I would say the acting in this movie was pretty lacking. Paul Rudd is a star. 
and he was a star throughout. But I never like when the male actors outshine a female actress because I want, I am feminist, I am, you know, women are amazing. Um, but I gotta be honest. Uh, was she given it? She was given all she got. I just don't know that all she got was it. You know what I'm saying? Am I saying I that? I do know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she was a little lackluster. We yeah. had quite a few heroines in the series, including Jamie Lloyd. I, I, if you're, oh. I mean, Jamie Lee Curtis being the original heroine, like that is mm. some shoes, honey. Yeah, it's shoes. It's shoes. And instead, we have booze. No, that was bad. But <laughs> uh, please keep that in. Please keep that in the end. It was so I, bad. I promise I will. I promise I will. I love you. Kara Strode. No, 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 honey. I kind of like the Strode family. Not that they're likable. They're mm. just so archetypal and mm-hmm. kind of realistic in ways that, like, made it fun to watch them die. I mean, they were all so, like, I think in, in horror movies, especially 80s, 90s, they were so, like, kind of almost, quote-unquote, deserving to die, which, of course, mm-hmm. as a real person, I don't believe in that. But they would make these characters that, like, you almost wanted to die. I mean, there was a real time in slasher movies when we were almost rooting for the killer. Of course. And I think um, there was this in the dad, in the, you know what I mean? In these characters of us, like, being like, you're a piece of shit. I can't wait for Michael to kill you. You know, we know you're going to die. Great. Which um, there's fun, and sometimes I think it's a little um, it's like too too two dimensional for me. Yeah, I mean for sure, there's the the moral implications of like who gets to live and who gets to die. There's the famous rules of horror. Yeah, but the one that one of the things that really I remember most from when I eventually did watch this whole thing as a kid was uh, that mom and that Mm -hmm. the sequence in the daytime where she gets hunted, stalked, murdered by Michael. One of my favorite in this film. She's on the phone. Fuck, I, I forget who's warning her on the phone. If it's um, Dr. Loomis or someone. And, you know, she's warned, get out of that house. What are you doing in that house? It's his house. He's coming home. And she's the only one that kind of believes. And so she tries to tell the husband. He doesn't care. And it's the middle of the day. And we can see that Michael is in the house behind her doing his like creeping thing, which is really effective, I think, some moments in this movie. And so she sees him broad daylight in the middle of the house, very Halloween franchise vibe. And um, she goes into the backyard and she's sort of lost between these white sheets. And eventually she trips, looks up. And Michael gets hurt with an axe and we see that spray of blood across the white sheet. Um, there's this Italian horror movie, I think it's called Tenebre, where we have a scene where someone's arm gets axed off and their arm, the the blood just like paints on the wall, like kind of like a portrait. And it kind of gave me that vibe here. Yeah, I, that was my favorite death of the whole film. Um, I thought that was the most Halloween-esque for me. Um, and also, so Dr. Loomis actually weirdly shows up in her house and's like, this is his house. Oh, yeah. And then she <laughs> makes no sense. Like, how did you get a key, buddy? Um, but he has a key. Fucking Dr. He, Loomis he, is my king. So you know what? He can do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. He has um, a key to the Strode, uh, to the Myers house. You're right. Now. It's his house too. And she calls her husband and says, is that why we live here? Because you could never sell it. Is that why we're here? Right. That's and right. so she was like yelling at her husband, who's like drinking, who's like, I'm a bad guy. Just because yeah. you didn't know I'm a shitty guy. Um, he's really trying to fucking sell it. And then, yeah. Um, isn't it Dargento? Or not, not the wrong word. Oh, yes. the movie you're talking about. 
Tenebrae? Yeah. I thought it started with an S. The Dargento film. Yeah, I thought it was... With the blood on the wall? Yeah. How do you know? Because I... No horror, honey. Wow. It's Suspiria. No, it's not. Are you sure? Yeah. Okay, I thought it was Suspiria. Okay, well, sorry. But I was trying to be cool, and I that's wasn't. A, you know what? <laughs> Let's look it up, because I am fascinated. Tune... Tenebrae, 1982. It's also a D'Argento film. Fascinating. Um, I knew what I was talking about. No, you didn't. <laughs> I mean, I knew I knew it was a D'Argento thing. Okay. <laughs> I thought it was Suspiria. Well, maybe it happens in Suspiria and I forgot. Um, the painting yeah. of the blood on the wall I thought was okay. Maybe it did happen in that one too. I, I don't remember the first Suspiria very well. Anyways, whatever. It doesn't matter. But um, yes, I, I thought that was the most sort of scary stalker like all those things that i love in halloween that was that kill and i was i was glad that that's what it went to that because i was like oh cool we're coming back to this you know it's not going to be all this sort of jason friday the 13th um horror mm-hmm. not that i don't like that too it's just you know i like some them separated. i like yeah. my jason jason and my michael michael you know what i'm saying mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i do you're um a p- uh, i don't like the word purist because nazi vibes uh, when we were watching this movie, we had a bit of an argument, you and I, about the direction. Do you remember yeah. that? Yes. What was the argument? I didn't think it was good. Oh, yeah. also the knives. We'll talk about that after. Never mind. <laughs> well, the knives, whatever. But I, I think that this is a really stylish, beautifully directed movie by Joe Chappelle. There are a few moments throughout, and I think I had a conversation with our good friend Jinx about this too back in the day, that are just really autumnal horror the kind of gothic vibe especially when we're not worried about the cult when we're like in Haddonfield on Halloween night just vibing the moment where um it's raining blood and the little child you know looks up and you know we see Paul Rudd see the body in the tree yeah rain is warm the red and it it would be or Mm -hmm. I don't know yeah um pretty recent death yeah and there's some like orange Christmas lights strung around and I just really enjoy the way that this movie looks when it's at its best. I just found it a little lazy. Oh my gosh. Like orange lights are spooky. Like and like fairy lights are pretty. I don't know. I guess you're right. Maybe I'm being too negative and please I'm sure in the comments they're gonna be like F you, which I deserve. Take her um, down. Take me down. Ooh. Um I guess I just there were lots of times that I thought it was kind of like I don't know. There were just things that I was like, ugh. This, the movie was silly. Heavy handed, maybe? Ha- that's, thank you. That is the wording I wanted. It was quite heavy handed. And and maybe it's the script that I'm more mad at than the direction, which is totally possible. Yes, for sure. Um, and maybe I'm connecting them together, but I, I found lots of parts of this movie just sort of like a little bit too cringy or a little bit too like, ugh, I've seen this so many times. And, and I want, I want Halloween's to be if not inventive, super fun and super campy and super over the top. And I didn't have enough of that. I'm not saying not, none of that. I'm just saying there wasn't enough of that in this movie. Well, I'm going to be a a bro, a horror bro, and say that I think Halloween is at its best, you know, when it, even in the sequels, when it's a, just a little bit subtle, when it's a little bit creeping, when it's a little bit restrained. Mm-hmm. And I think there are good amount of moments that sort of succeed in that in this film i I, love this i love this film despite itself 
I agree that Halloween is the best when it's restrained, but I don't think uh, almost none of this movie was restrained. So like, let's do <laughs> something right. with it. Like if we're if we're not gonna have that, if we're gonna be like weird cults, weird murder, so much exposition. I love evil. That's literally a doctor was like, evil's the best. That's what we yeah, he did say that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um. Let's go balls to the walls. I don't know. Um. But you know, I. I I also didn't dislike this movie. I, I, I don't think I liked it as much as you, though. Mm-hmm. I think I'm not on the fence. I mean, it's fun. I will watch it like a million more times. It's not I, one bet, of the, I bet. It, it's one of those movies that like, you know, I'll watch. Um, but back in the day, remember when movies were on television? Oh, the good old days when you'd flip around and there'd be a movie. This is the kind of movie that if it was on TV, I would absolutely stop and watch it. Like, if oh, I yeah. was like, oh, it's Halloween 6. Yeah, I'll watch it. Hell that's, yeah. That's what it is for me. Um. If someone's like, I haven't seen Halloween 6, I'd be like, oh, you should see it. Let's mm-hmm. watch it together. Like, it's that kind of movie. But would I say it's like, oh, my God, it's fucking groundbreaking or like, holy shit, you have to watch it. No. Well, yeah. I mean, it is <laughs> Halloween 6. Um, Something that makes this sequel a little bit of an outlier in the franchise is that it's one of the only films released in the 90s. So I believe the last film, number five, was released right at the tail end of the 80s. And then there was considerable delays before we got to this one, released mid-90s. And then the only other 90s Halloween film would have been H2O a few years later, but that's pretty much just a retcon or sort of a reboot, requel, whatever you want to call it. So we're getting full 90s music video aesthetic in this movie which is kind of the only time we ever see that in uh michael myers movie with like yeah. flash cuts and just like flashy weird aesthetic for non-reasons aesthetic very 90s music video yes. vibes and i say that with love Me, the scene and sorry to jump around spoiler alert when when Michael kills the nurses mm-hmm. and it's just like strobe lights. It is the most 90s fun yeah, baby. horror. It's it's a great scene. It's so it, that's where I was like, oh yeah, this is those memorable moments of like so the 90s that I I love, the horror 90s that I love. Can can we start a band called Strode Lights? Oh, oh you should oh. be that's a drag name right there. I feel like it's more of a band name. Yeah, I guess so. I guess I, I'm just really bad at music. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I kind of think that's where my feelings kind of get wrapped up with this movie. What What are your final thoughts on Halloween 6? It's it's fun. It's really fun. I feel like I'm sounding more negative than I really am towards it. Um, it's, it's super fun. It's silly. Um, I think I have such a like soft spot and 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 love for like the first two halloween and then you know halloween the the halloween kills Mm -hmm. um i just like i just have such a soft spot and so this one's a little bit i also love halloween okay i love a lot of them um it just for me i guess isn't in the top you know five or whatever that doesn't mean it's not great it's still great and fun um i don't the thing i actually dislike the most about it is the weird curse piece where it's like the thorn the the, the, the the child is cursed but it never really comes to anything that this child has these visions it doesn't really mean anything really if that if that plotline was never in it it would never it wouldn't have changed the movie yeah i'm really excited to hear your take what it would have what it could have been Mm -hmm. uh (laughs) so 
something that the 90s and the 80s really uh, took seriously was the continuation of canon. You know, nowadays we start fresh at the drop of a hat. But back then, like, they really were trying to tie up all of their loose ends to finish the story from where it left off to sort of include everything. And there's something about that that I find kind of wholesome and nice. Mm -hmm. But by the time we get to Halloween 6, it's a mess. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make any sense anymore. And there's just so much to clean up that I really believe it's actually the perfect point to reboot the series with H2O. And I think it was a very smart decision for them to sort of go in that direction because this got messy. There's the man in black who appears at the end of Halloween five, who does get approached in this film and in the producer's cut, it's mess. And that's going to lead me Jules to talking a little bit about how things could have been even messier. Um, Would it be okay with you if I dig into Halloween 666, The Origin. I love digging in the mess. Let's do it. Let's dig in the dirt. Mm. So I believe lore has it that there were 11 or so different scripts written for Halloween 6. One of the ones that was closest to coming into reality was one penned by Sir Phil Rosenberg. And this film, Halloween 666, The Origin, uh, could potentially have been directed by the writer of Evil 2, Scott Spielberg. A couple of years ago, we did an episode where we unpacked how Quentin Tarantino actually was in the mix at one point very lightly in terms of creating Halloween 666. And I think he actually had something to do with Scott Spielberg getting brought on board to take a look at this script, see if he could polish it, see if he could possibly direct it. But uh, it didn't... It didn't really work out. So in an interview with Fangoria, Spiegel actually talks about his conversation with the head producer, Mustafa Akkad. And here's what he had to say. Uh, Mustafa was pretty cool. He had some reservations about me, but finally he said, okay, well, maybe we'll use you to do a polish on the script that we're considering, and then maybe we'll let you direct it. When I read the screenplay, I said, ooh, boy. It reminded me of a Friday the 13th movie and presented Michael Myers as a homeless person. It was really unfocused. It was corny. And I just, I didn't understand this homeless element and what was it all about. And we're, uh, we're about to dig into it. So I think you're aware that this script is floating around in the ether. And I can't confirm or deny that I've read it. But let's just say I I know the details of it quite intimately, and I'd like to share them with you, Jules. Can I quickly, before you share this amazing detail, say it makes me think of Halloween Ends, how Michael's weirdly living in a sewer drain around Haddonfield. Yep. yep. Like, I guess they came back to this homeless idea. They really, they really did. That's Honestly, funny. Jules, they really did. And this homeless thing, like, floated around a number of different drafts, including one that... Uh, Quentin Tarantino's. To be on. honest, it, it I don't it, it find it offensive. I, I I do find it offensive from my line of work, but we're not going to get into that. Oh, That's we will get work. into that okay. in, in in just a little bit. And I'd love to hear it. Please, please tell me. So here's what this film is kind of about. So, uh, the head character, the sort of new heroine, and was this Chicago TV news reporter and her team. And they were going to Haddonfield to sort of report on how the town was unbanning Halloween for the first time in years after the events 
of Halloween 5. And there was this massacre, Halloween 4 and 5, and the Halloween had just been banned in Haddonfield. And now it was time for it to sort of, you know, come back and people stop being scared of their past and young people get to celebrate once again. So the main character, her name is Dana. She's a reporter from uh, some channel, Channel 6 or something. And she begins her sort of pilgrimage to Haddonfield with her team. Um, And so while this is all happening, we sort of also get a sense of what's going on (laughs) with Michael Myers. And yeah, he is homeless and sort of at a shelter. And he's kind of like not living his best life. On top of all this, we have another main character, who actually does appear in our version of Halloween 6, Tommy Doyle. So Tommy Doyle is one of the factors in the script that actually really follows through up until the curse of Michael Myers. And he's the same kind of guy. He lives in the attic of a boarding house, which I believe was the Doyle house. And he's obsessed with Michael Myers. And he's obsessed with virtual reality and like this weird like programs where he can sort of like psychically travel in time and it's wild and of course i can see why people hated it at the time but now it's just like the campiest thing and i kind of i'm a little bit obsessed with how (laughs) we're using virtual reality to get into the origins of the boogeyman um what do you think about you know the 90s and how they were approaching technology and virtual reality There is nothing I love more than tech in old movies. (laughs) And I'm sure it's going to be just as funny, like, 10 years from now, watching our tech in movies. Um, But watching 90s tech anything, like, one, what they thought tech was going to be, or even what they thought tech was, like, it's just so silly, campy, ridiculous. I think that would have actually been fucking hilarious. Yeah, it would have been funny. Um. Would it have been ridiculous? Yes. It, it already makes no sense when you're trying to explain it. Um, I do like the idea. And I liked this about Halloween 6, the one that we got, the obsession with Michael. Because I do think, again, coming from a trauma perspective, that would be that could could be a trauma response. It's mm-hmm. sort of becoming then obsessed with the situation, being obsessed with the murder, being obsessed with him, knowing he was still alive. So I kind of like the idea that Tommy Doyle would then sort of want to create this sort of safe safe version aka a virtual reality version where you kind of get to interact or understand him better but do i think it would have read amazingly no (laughs) yeah it's very strange and you know he's sort of this adult protagonist alongside dana and yeah he's like digging into michael's sort of origins or pagan origins and the pagan origins of and the pagan origins of halloween online and it's wacky tabacky and i'll get into a little bit more of that down the line okay so we have dana this new heroine and something's weird that's starting with her right away is that even though she has no connection at all to michael she is having these dreams about him and she's having these dreams of michael myers but they're also about these like old-timey druid ceremonies and it's like what is going on baby actually we saw this also happening in halloween well rob zombies halloween 2 these like idea of you know our protagonists 
dreaming psychically of Michael Myers. So it's so funny how some of these ideas kind of continue down the line. Um, yeah. So maybe you're asking yourself, Jules, you know, we're hearing about Tommy. We've got Dana. You know, where's Dr. Loomis in the whole mix? I always ask, where's Dr. Loomis? <laughs> Where is Dr. Loomis? I have to know. Yeah, so th- in this script, he's, like, I think the one of the worst things about the script is how it just, like, kind of fucks off with Loomis. So Loomis is really unimportant. I probably can count on one hand how many pages he even appears in the script. It's kind of interesting because now we're seeing Loomis as someone who has really lost his mind and he's institutionalized at the same place where he used to work for so many years. And he's like this raving lunatic now. But like, that's kind of it. Like you're seeing very two dimensional um, sort of readings of, you know, of insanity and its connection to Michael Myers. And then we just kind of leave him there and never really come back to it. And it would be so sad if that was kind of where we, leave Loomis in the Halloween canon. It sounds just like in general the way they depict mental illness in this 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 um could have been I guess film is really antiquated and really offensive to be honest like to think of even Michael at like a homeless shelter and to think of Dr. Loomis in a, like I'm sure it was so two dimensional and and what I find fun about the two dimensional characters of these movies I think it wouldn't you can't um depict characters with that kind of this kind of stigma against them in this kind of two-dimensional lens because that just adds to the the oppression and the stigma i mean listen we're talking about the halloween franchise babe we're talking about the darkest eyes the blackest eyes the devil's eyes and that's why i'm saying don't bring in things that you can't bring in you know what i mean like let's let's leave this as let's leave it where it is i don't need you to sort of try to i i I feel that way too about all this sort of they're always trying to do these like supernatural it's like stop we don't need this we don't need this extra layers when this can just be fun and just be Mm -hmm. well something that i always like talking to you about because of your you know profession and your knowledge is (laughs) and your pedigree is uh the concept of evil do you want to talk a little bit about that yeah, I mean, I don't believe in it as a as a concept. I don't believe it's a real thing. I think people can do really evil acts. Um, I think trauma can cause um, evil behaviors, but I don't believe anybody is the sum of their actions. So mm-hmm. don't come at me. Of course, I think people have – again, this isn't me saying that people haven't done really horrible, atrocious things. And I'm not forgiving or excusing or any of that. I just, um, I also think there is, I think nothing is black and white. I think there is gray in all situations. Mm-hmm. Except for Michael Myers. That's pretty well, black. Well, I mean, that's pretty black. Um, black eyes, devil's eyes. He's the darkest eyes. I mean, but again, I think <laughs> I think that's why I kind of like that he isn't a human, right? Just like um, I mean, yeah. Freddy isn't a human anymore. Freddy was. Uh, uh, same with. Jason isn't a human anymore. Like there are these characters that are like, but also like I've had to let go a little bit. And I think this has always been an ongoing thing for us is I used to really need things to make total sense in, in my world with horror movies. And I'm slowly starting to let go uh, because you can't, then I'm just not having fun anymore. I'm not enjoying it and I'm ruining it for everyone around me. I mean, (laughs) 
my take on it follows really pissed everybody off um so you know i i have to let go a little bit but no but in the real world i absolutely don't believe in evil i think trauma begets trauma violence begets violence that kind of thing so Mm -hmm. um yeah well, to take a little bit of a pivot, let's get back. <laughs> it's yeah. be a little more fun here, yeah. <laughs> well, literally, because we're jumping back into this idea of VR in the script of Halloween 666, the origin. You're seeing the cult stuff here sort of created in a game, and it's so weird. I, I think there's even a point where we see um, Jamie Lloyd, like, caged in a cage made of, like, human limbs. And, like, it's just, like, weird shit that, like, doesn't make a lot of sense but i think was sort of of fascination in the late 90s like people wanted to explore the idea of virtual reality in a way that we you know now know never came to fruition do you want to hear an interesting mental health fact yeah um so different kinds of psychosis change throughout the years um and around the 90s all of a sudden a a really really common psychosis was microchips microchips being put in our brain microchips being put in our body and the government controlling us through ai and technology so that started to happen it was never a thing before because that was never even existent and so what happens is as our society changes psychosis will change with it Uh, the the new kinds of psychosis so like a new one again that's coming around a lot of a lot of alien stuff is happening now or like people being lizards these kind of things that like were never a common thing people would see when they had psychosis is now a new one so ai was this huge boom and pop that didn't just affect us in things like tv but actually affected people that were struggling that's fascinating jules mm-hmm. kind of scary though yeah i mean it's, it's deeply sad but it makes a lot of sense right like it was so prevalent everywhere so it makes a lot of sense that it would then be part of this like really scary part of people's lives and also, like, who's to say this isn't the simulation, actually? We are in the Matrix. I am Morpheus. Take the blue pill? I forget which one it is. I couldn't tell you, but there but, is that episode of Black Mirror, San Junipero. Oh. I'm, and it's, just a, it's a little I'm more a bad lesbian. Gay. I've never seen it. It's not my thing. Yeah, um, me Okay, so we covered Michael Myers being homeless, living in a shelter, kind of like being poo-poo, Mimi, not really knowing what to do with his life, maybe needing a little bit of a change. (laughs) And he gets that change in a kind of an interesting reference to a clockwork orange, where we have these three sort of unfriendly characters that beat him up. And in response, he sort of gets his his groove back and... (laughs) Uh, kills them and that's sort of where he gets you know the energy starts to climb back from there which is interesting there was a similar unmade nightmare on elm street movie where freddy lost all his powers unmade nightmare on elm street movie where freddy loses his powers and kids from town go into their dreams purposefully to beat him up and i heard that episode you did yeah and then he gets one of them and slowly but surely is able to gain his power back and that kind of reminds me of Michael's powers in this moment as well. This again reminds me of of Halloween Ends, where he totally. didn't have the powers. He made this weird kid go do all the killings because he wasn't there yet. He was trying to like build up his killing power. Like it really feels like they kind of siphoned, which makes sense because Halloween Ends sucked, in my opinion. Um, it feels like some things were siphoned from this, or am I just seeing- no? No, I, I I always wonder if they like if the studios and production houses have these Bibles of like different 
stories and plots and scripts that they purchased over the years and you know they're floating around cherry pick yeah cherry pick from the past mm-hmm. or it could be coincidental because yeah. like the simpsons you know yeah once you do it long enough everything is possible it's so. very true yeah totally um something i forgot to mention is that you know with these uh clockwork orange type characters when they're attacking michael they're also singing singing in the rain which i believe is a direct reference to that a clockwork is orange. exactly clockwork orange so that's kind of, that's kind of cool and I'll leave it at that. Kind of cool. Yeah, so uh, I don't know exactly how Michael gets his way back to Haddonfield, but he does. And he starts killing people. And Dana and her crew arrive. And they want to interview Tommy. But, of course, he's locked away in his virtual reality place. And they're like, okay, nerd. <laughs> um, and that's where things get absolutely, completely confusing. And I'm actually having a hard time even talking about it because it's so bonkers but here we go so tommy needs to use virtual reality and a portal of some kind to send michael into the other world uh okay and it has to happen like exactly at like i don't know 1 15 midnight 1 a.m i think i think at some kind of graveyard maybe judith myers's gravestone some kind of gravestone and they have to like use virtual reality and this portal to the druid ruins and the other world netherworld and one mayhem nonsense and so they lure michael and i think dana jumps into this portal hole but she holds on to the side and michael he like accidentally or stupidly falls into the portal and it eats him up. So they walk away at 1.14 in the morning, which I think is actually bad news bears, which I, I think it actually references that maybe it had closed before Michael disappeared. So like, is it over? Maybe not. Maybe it's not. Maybe it is. Yeah. So I think that's my my best shot at sort of discussing this insane script. No Thorn, no Man in Black, uh, Jamie... Lloyd in a cage at one point. What the fuck what did I read? I, I couldn't tell you. It's insane. Uh, normally when you read these like could have been made or you talk about these could have been made, I'm like, yes. Yeah, Ooh, I would have loved this. I don't feel that way about. I'm like, I think for the best. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there are parts of it that are kind of interesting, but I think for the most part, I'm like, nah, I think they were right to pass on this like I thought the Halloween six that came out was convoluted. Like, dear Lord, this is very convoluted and confusing yeah. and way too much for a fun Halloween film. It's crazy to think that Halloween, the curse of Michael Myers is actually a much tighter version. It's of wild. This. I also, but I do think the, the, the could have been title is much better. Uh, are you joking? Halloween six, six, six. I love the, it. Whoa. Well, I, I mean, feel- I love, I love it. Don't yes, get me wrong. Yes. <laughs> I guess I just feel like the curse of Michael Myers. It's like, I, I guess I just, the annoying part for me was this kid being cursed because it didn't, the man in black made no sense. Like none of that but made the sense. the baby and, and uh, with the yeah. D on his, I don't know, whatever. Well, we didn't get into all of the weird nooks and crannies of the producer's cut, aka the origins of Michael Myers, where there's actually like incest nonsense. Oh God. With Michael and I think either jamie or kara i don't know there was incest in that one and it's so weird and so 
<laughs> Luckily, we didn't title this episode The Producer's Cut. Instead, we are digging into the iteration before that one because <laughs> that one's even wilder. Although that one you can watch. Oh. Um, yes, it was released in um, sort of uh, like a package a few years back. So you can actually watch The Producer's Cut. And I think I, actually, I, I did. I saw it in a theater. There I, was some theater run of it. I got to say, the last thing uh, Halloween 6 needed was like more plot. Like, there was already too many things going on, you know? So we did not need to add in, like, weird incest into the into the. I well, mean, we never we add... All, we no, never we need all, add weird we, I disagree. I think we can... There's always space for a little bit of a weird incest. incest. Yeah, fair. A little bit of oopsie-boopsie. Okay. I'm exhausted emotionally mm-hmm. from that. So I want to take us into our conclusion territory, if that's okay with you. Please. So we saw what, you know, the alternative to this... Would we have wanted this insane version? No. Just no. Just no. no. I'm sorry. No. It sounds too much. Do I love a virtual reality horror? Like, maybe. But this isn't the one that we needed. Uh, This isn't the one that needed to happen. I'm good. I I don't think so. I I agree. You know, was this the right moment to reboot with Halloween H2O? Yeah, I, I, Halloween H2O to me is such a classic. Maybe it's also a generational thing. Maybe it, it was such it was it sort of feels a little bit like my Halloween, um, like our generation's Halloween. And I don't know again again that could be a, a no, niche it is. thing, but it, yeah. So I love Halloween H2O. Josh Hartnett, what a babe. Um, not that Paul Red's not a babe. He's such a babe. But you know Michelle Williams and Josh Hartnett, like you can't go wrong. Jamie Lee no. Curtis, damn. Uh, in a mm-hmm. in a fucking university was it U of T? It feels like it was U of T. No, oh, it feels like a U of T campus film. <laughs> yeah, I feel you. You know what? Babes beget babes, and facts. Yeah. <laughs> and you, even Halloween ends had some babes, and our it Dread Central's did. very own Chad Collins wrote about the best hunks from the Halloween franchise, which you can read online. Go for oh, it. Cool, I will read that. Yeah, you should. So. Here is my next question for both of us. I might have more of an answer than you, but who I'm knows? Sure. We're wondering what's next for Halloween. Before I tell you what the rumble bumbles are, like what would you want to see after this um, lackluster, in our opinion, uh, Blumhouse trilogy? Like where should this go? Oh, such a good question. I mean, I I like the idea of, I mean, it's so, I mean, I think it's a little basic, but I like the idea of like obsession with, you know michael myers and and i think right now with all the obsession with true crime and the true crime podcast and da da da, i think it would be cool to see sort of something like that like maybe like true crime girlies or true crime people like doing an investigative thing and and sort of maybe even like fangirling over michael and i have to pause because you're literally describing the plot of halloween 2018 shut up did you not see halloween no no so you you saw kills and you saw ends but you didn't see the halloween 2018 oh my god you're literally describing the first quarter of that movie i'll change it that's so funny yeah it's about these podcasters everyone at home is screaming at you it's about these podcasters that are like no i'm not they're obsessed with michael myers and they like go to interview fucking laurie strode and she's like are you idiots you're about to die baby and they do i Uh, truly didn't see it that's so funny wow i am a basic bitch i knew it um well and then i guess i don't know where the fuck it should go because i this is why i'm not a writer and you are i'll just be a therapist and stick to my lane wow i didn't say that (laughs) and i don't think that i do okay well 
to my understanding, recently there was some rumble bumbles out in the ether about what's happening next with Halloween. And there have been some reports, I think it was on Bloody Disgusting, that we're act- they're actively shopping the rights to this film series around. And there are allegedly some alleged about maybe A24 wanting to come on board and do something, possibly even for TV. I know that A24 is currently producing... Uh, Friday the 13th sort of prequel TV series thing with Brian Fuller. So that doesn't surprise me that they would want to dip their toes into all the franchises. But we don't know. I think they're just sort of taking uh, pitches and we'll see. But it doesn't seem like Michael Myers is going to stay dead for too much longer. I love A24. That's great. I, I Though I will say I wish we would give new writers and new ideas sometimes more of a chance. But, you know, that's just... Well, you can't. But even with old IP... You're right. You're right. Even with old characters, you're right. We can make them new again. Totally. Give it to the kids that just made Talk to Me. Yes, please. What a great movie. Yeah, what a good movie. All right, Jules. um, Thank you for joining us on another episode. If you wanted to be found on the internet, where can we find you? Yeah, I mean, if you want to find me, it's not that interesting, but I'm at Jules Rules Your World on Instagram. Uh, It's just my Instagram. Uh, I'm also, like I said, a counselor in Toronto, Canada, so I am on Psychology Today, Juliana Bruin. But yeah, thanks so much for having me on again. Thank you so much for listening to Development Hell. If you enjoy this podcast, then please do us a major favor of leaving us five stars and writing a positive review. It really makes all the difference in the world. We'll see you next week with a brand new episode of Development Hell. Thank you for listening to the Dread Podcast Network.